Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Gridiron Bliss Podcast, your weekly source for women's American football, insights, game recaps, and NFL News Weekly. Subscribe on Apple and iHeart. Welcome to episode 457 in the house. Oscar Lopez followed in about an hour or so. The salty one, Mackenzie Brooks, Coach Terry Lister, the backseat coach, Mark Simone. Uh, We're going to break down everything that happened in the Women's Football Alliance National Finals. Uh, The New York Wolves uh, shutout of the OKC Lady Force. Kind of surprise there. Uh, We had the surprise of surprises, the uh, West Palm Beach Coyotes. Uh, completely routed the New Mexico Benitas, which is un- very unexpected. And we had a great clash in the pro division as the St. Louis Lamb was able to keep toe-to-toe with the Boston Renegades for two quarters. Uh, but Boston do- does pull out a 35-7 to win, their fifth championship, consecutive championship in the WFA. Uh, and so it was very impressive. So New York – uh, last year had the, you know, Alstein, uh on their doing. But this year, uh, they, they were rolling the ship. Everything was going right. And ultimately in Canton, as the opportunity, the win against Baltimore, send them to the playoffs. Kevin Mulligan once again uh, did her job in the final, as Mulligan and Gantlin was the story there as well in the second half, as the um, New York Wolves win their first franchise championship 21 to zero and uh, the shutout OKC had not been shut out or haven't hadn't lost since 2021 which is a very uh, shocking feat and we talked about it in episode 456 you can go back and get the breakdown and everything that we had predicted what keys to the game was going to happen uh, we did have that dual threat we were questioning whether um, you know Danielle Yala was going to follow through and start the game whether it be Terry Mulligan. And so it was Ayala that started the game, put up the 14 points. Then initially, Terry Mulligan in the third quarter comes in and kind of seals the deal with Gantlin. So an impressive win defensively. The New York Wolves, uh, very stout. So we're going to have two of those individuals in the Zazzle huddle, and that's, that's going to be in about an hour and 15 minutes from now. That will be Gabby Farrell. And uh, Daniel Ayala will be coming in here to give us the lowdown of that 21-0 shutout win against the OKC Lady Force in the second hour as well at the end of the hour and on the 10:30 uh, breakdown second hour we are going to have the Boston Renegades uh, legendary quarterback Allison Cahill and then uh, running back Whitney Zeely the MVP pro final. Uh, on their 35-7 to victory and their fifth consecutive championships. But before then, in about 15 minutes today, it is the loaded of loaded shows. we got superstars everywhere in terms of the Women's Football Alliance, the WFA recap show, the last show of the season for us. And we're going to have Cynthia Red Bryant and Jody Moose Raylander here in the house in about uh, 10 minutes as they're going to talk about the send-off 25 years career with the Minnesota Vixen, an outstanding career. Uh, Cynthia uh, Red Brian, if you missed it on our IG stories, you can go right there to the Great Iron Beauties and IG. Um, just a great uh, 
uh, you know, All-American game as well, but uh, a tribute to her as well. There was a tribute to both of them in St. Louis. Now it's a tribute to, um, you know, uh, Cynthia Red Bryant. Also, it was really cool to have ESPNW as well kind of retweet that and repost that. So we'll talk to Cynthia Red Bryant about that as well, Jody Raylander as well. And then we're going to have up north uh, this weekend, if you're at the hub, facebook.com for us, Gridiron Beauties. That is the place to be. That is the best network on the planet, bar none, covering women's tackle football uh, globally. And we do a great job at that. I'm very proud of that. So um, go to the hub, facebook.com for us, Beauties. Get the lowdown of what's happening in Finland in terms of the playoffs, Division One, Division Two, AFBD as well in terms of the DBL1. Uh, so you get all the lowdown that's happening in, in Europe at this point, Finland uh, championships, uh, especially the playoff finals uh, and the playoffs that are happening in the Maple League plus Division One. Uh, big, big win by Butcher's uh, Falcons, 53-8 to against uh, the uh, uh, the Crocodiles. So that was a really impressive victory. You get to watch it there as well. You got all the videos uh, uploading, FTF, some of the highlights from the Division Two matchups, Division Three matchups. We're also going to have uh, Trina Graves right here and Coach Nick Murray, who's going to break down everything that's happening in terms of the under-18 women's national uh, competition, and that's happening now. It's going to be ending, I believe, uh, t- tomorrow or the next day, which is the matchups of the playoffs. So tomorrow we're going to talk to them about the importance of the under-18 women's uh, competition as that will be a, kind of a feeder system to the, uh, the WWCFL, the CCWFL, uh, and the MWFL, including uh, IFAB Team Canada in the future as to who will see those individuals representing Canada at the global stage. So interesting conversation to have with Trina Grave and Coach Nick Murray on the under-18 women's tournament that is currently happening up north in Canada. And we're going to break down uh, the Division Three final, which was – the routing of the New Mexico Bonitas by uh, MVP Ace Ware and her teammates, uh, an impressive outing. Uh, we did not anticipate that that was going to happen in terms of the D3 function because we thought for sure uh, the game between Coyotes and Mayhem was a very tight game, uh, not a fire-scoring game. Uh, but ultimately, that's what you know the Coyotes came into play. They took advantage of the Bonitas. I know the Bonitas had some flight issues where there's a lot of players that are probably sleep-deprived, so I don't know if that's the issue with that in terms of preparation. But ultimately, um, the West Palm Beach Coyotes uh, earned their first WFA National Championship after having two uh, WTFL championships, so technically a three, three uh, championships in three years, 2021, 22, and 23. Uh, in two different leagues. Uh, so the WFA D3 championship now is in Florida, West Palm Beach, and that would be with Ace, uh, Ace Ware of the um, West Palm Beach Coyotes. So an impressive weekend of the WFA weekend. And then if you go to the hub, facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauties, you're going to get everything that's happening there in terms of the finish, uh, Division 14-0, Tampiri takes down uh, Olulu. Olu uh, Northern Lights, and that sets up a really nice playoff matchup with the Turku Trojans coming up here in a couple weeks. This is the team that's going to be the only team probably to take down Turku, and the opportunity is there. It's kind of a rematch for them 
Um, but overall, Tampiri does get the win against Olu. Olu, obviously, 0-5, I believe, almost 0-6 now on the season. So it's, uh, they're kind of like not having the greatest season uh, in terms of the Maple League at this point in Finland. But Tampiri certainly will be the team that will be challenging probably the Turku Trojans there. And in the uh, NWFL in the U.K., uh, you also had the Chargers taking on the Wolves. It was 78-41, and take, uh, take into account this is obviously 7-on-7. Seven seven. It is uh, not an uh, impressive, you know, 9-9-9 type matchup, but 7-on-7, seven seven, so totally high scoring. Uh, you can go to the British, uh, British American football um, on, on Facebook and you get catch that as well, but it was the uh, Chargers 78-41 over Edinburgh. Uh, we're able to get the, you know, some of that action that's happening there. You can follow Gridiron Girls UK. Uh, Molly Bryson does a great job of giving us the match results and everything that happened in terms of the weekend, in terms of the NWFL in the UK. So an uh, interesting weekend there as well in terms of getting closer to the playoff stage in the UK. So uh, really, really awesome you get it, get it there. But we also had the All-American game uh, in Canton this weekend. Uh, Jenna Meister, Ellie Malarski of the Pittsburgh Passion in the house as well. It, it was the first inaugural um, Franco Harris trophies that were issued this year. And going forward, it will be the uh, trophies uh, for every division will be the uh, Franco Harris uh, trophies, national championship trophies. So this year, it, obviously, Boston, New York, and uh, West Palm Beach, the recipients of the uh, Franco Harris uh, trophies that were um, given out in Canton. But a great matchup. The national um, national team, once again, uh, has a stronghold on the All-American game behind Aldi and the Pittsburgh duel. Uh, those were the targets, and those were the folks that, that made the impact for the win for the national uh, squad in terms of the All-American All-Star game. So, and it was kind of unique in a way. We got the news that the All-Star game was going to be played right after the WFA Pro Final uh, on the 22nd, and we're like, oh, it's kind of weird in a way, I guess. But then overall, when you watched it, uh, it was kind of nice to see the, you know, everybody done with their finals. It would make sense. All the championship teams are done with their finals on Friday and on Saturday, on the Saturday. And so it was nice for those players to just be in the stands and get to watch the rest of the league in terms of the All-American players, uh, the All-Stars, completely compete on this bigger stage. So I thought that was a, a twist. It was really unique that it was done by the WFA. Initially, I was like, oh, kind of seems different. And since it's never been done that way before, we thought it was you know, kind of like, okay, I don't know if that's what you want to do. But ultimately, you know, now that I've, you know, I've watched it and went through the weekend and assessed it, I think that's a pretty good makeup. Uh, given the fact that your peers who have just won championships now uh, can shower up, come back into the stands, and uh, obviously watch uh, the best players selected for the All-American game on both sides, on both conferences, kind of showcase their talents. And so it's nice to see the weekend finish up with the WFA showcasing uh, the best players in terms of the Women's Football Alliance for 2023. So um, shout-out to uh, Amanda Condialdi. One an arm, of course, and shout out to the dual threat in Pittsburgh, which provided some of the fire fire excitement 
for the All-American game. Like I said, Jenna Meister and Ellen Warski, two, two of the players that were pretty instrumental in some of the excitement there as well. Um, and so pretty, pretty awesome. In the WFL in Mexico, the finals are set. Uh, the Women's Football League in Mexico, um, the finals are set. It's going to be uh, V Queen Saltillo taking on uh, the Vi- Vi- Vipers Central Mexico. Uh, the Vipers took care of business 18 to 18 to 13 this weekend. Saltillo also with a big win, so very impressive victory for that. Um, and so interesting to see how those two matchups are going to come. Uh, shout out to our girl over in um, Mexico with the V Queen Saltillo. That is Anna Garza. So she's going for a championship in the WFL, which she hasn't had a championship in uh, X-League or, or formerly LFL, but she's gotten close. So maybe this will be the year that Anna Garza does shine on the big stage, and it will be in Mexico in her own country uh, for the WFL uh, championship. So it's going to be Viper Central Mexico taking on V-Queen Saltillo. Get all the action there. And then if you're inclined to go to the hub, get some popcorn, get some uh, a Slurpee, as Brian Sweeney would do. And then speaking of Brian Sweeney, you know, shout out to Alex Westad, Brian Sweeney, and Kona Wilkinson for an amazing job on the broadcast in the D2 and in the Pro Division final. So if you're inclined, go to YouTube right now. You can watch that on there at the YouTube channel on the Women's Football Alliance on YouTube. Uh, but we are going to have uh, action up north in Canada. So you can go right there to the hub, facebook.com, for slash Beauties. That is the under-18 uh, Women's National Tackle Championships happening right now in Canada. You can get to watch everything that happened on Sunday, uh, presume uh, tomorrow, Wednesday. The uh, I believe the ma- semifinal matchups will happen, and I believe Friday is when we have the final as well. So go right there to the hub, Facebook, facebook.com for slash square. You can watch it via Football Canada video, um, a TV screen as well. You can uh, go ahead and get the link on Twitter, threads, as well as on Facebook. All right? So we're going to go into the huddle. In the Zazzle huddle, if you guys are inclined to go to the shop, support the podcast, Zazzle's been our sponsor for a long time. Um, so Zazzle.com forward slash Grand Beauties. You can get yourself the No Joke Football gear right there at the No Joke Football Shop. Use our code ZazzleThanks for 15% off. So if you're inclined not to buy anything from us, no big deal. Zazzle's got plenty of cool stuff, Marvel, D- Disney, plus wedding stuff, plus stationaries, everything that you would need uh, in general activity in terms of celebrating or doing something special. Check it out right there at Zazzle.com. Worldwide shipping as well. If you're in the U.S., domestic shipping, free shipping if you get Zazzle Black for about 10 bucks. So check it out, Zazzle.com forward slash Grand Beauties. Go to the No Joke Football Shop, support the podcast there. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe our podcast on Spreaker and Apple. Uh, you can leave a review on Apple as well. Give us a five-star review if you think we're deserving of a five-star review. But check it out on Spreaker and on Apple. The link's right there on our promo. So we're going to go into the huddle here. We're going to be talking to two legends of the sport of women's tackle football that 25 years, pioneers and legends, Minnesota Vixen uh, legends specifically, but pioneers in our sport as well. We're going to be talking to Cynthia Bryant and Jody Redlander on their uh, 25 seasons, the retirement, the excitement in Canton. And then uh, we're going to jump into Trina Graves in about uh, 25 minutes. Then we'll dive into Ace Ware. Second hour, we're going to get Gabby Farrell, Daniel Ayala of the uh, champion New York Wolves. Plus, we're going to end the show. Second hour, uh, we're going to be doing Allison Cahill and Whitney Zilli in the house. 
as we finish up the 2023 finale. And we're going to be uh, going into 2024. And I mentioned before to everybody, it, 2024 will be my, my completely send-off. Uh, uh, Cynthia and Jody have made 2023 their last ride. So for us, uh, myself, Mark Simone, and the crew here on the Blitz, 2024 will be our last send-off season. So starting in February till the end of the WFA National Championships in 2024, it will be the last ride for us. Unfortunately, cannot do this anymore. Uh, I have other priorities in my life. So uh, it's going to be a sad, sad state of, you know, to not be able to do it. But it's a lot of laboring. I uh, put in a lot of love over so many years. Uh, so, you know, at some point, just like all women's tackle football players and, and all football players in general, at some point, they say your body does not not able to do it, and so now you know I'm at a point where it's a situation where that's also the case. So hopefully, you know our last ride next uh, last season will be very memorable for everybody. Also, uh, it's been a great ride since 2010, thanks to Block Talk Radio, thanks to Zazzle as our partners. Appreciate Sprecher, iHeart before that, Apple, everybody that's uh, filtered our stuff out and given us an opportunity to spread the word of women's tackle football. So let's go into the huddle, Zazzle huddle. Uh, and like I said, go to the No Joke Football shop stuff. If you go to IG, go to at No Joke Football. If you go to Facebook, at No Joke Football right there as well. So we're going to dive into the legendary Cynthia Red Bryant and Jody Moose Raylander in the house on the blitz here. Jody, are you in? I'm here. How are you, Oscar? Doing good, Jody. Uh, Cynthia, nice to nice to see you and hear you. Hello. Hi, Cynthia. How you doing? We can hear you. Can Red. you hear me, Cynthia? Hello. Can you hear me? Hi, Cynthia. Hi. Hi. How's it going today? It's going all right. It's weird to be called. Is it going all right? I guess it's going good. How are you? I'll call you Red. How's it going, Red? Yes. It's going good. And how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, Red, uh, were you surprised that you're on ESPNW on, on IG? Because we're, we're all – it's very cool that they put you on there, finally acknowledging our sport. Yeah, very surprised. Very, very, very surprised. Didn't know that was happening at all. So, um, well, it was nice to, see, nice to see you. On on ESPNW, um, what, how was the weekend, Red? Uh, I know you you got emotional at the All American game, but overall, the weekend in Canton, how how did you think of the weekend overall? I thought it was. I I got there. I went on Friday, so um, I got there after the the media and the the pictures and stuff. So, but for what I heard, that was great. Um, when I got there, though, practice and stuff, I, I thought it was amazing. I, I enjoyed myself. I know you got a little emotional on the, uh, you know, when the whistle went out, um, but, uh, you know, what, what was going through your mind? I know you got a little emotional there. So, um, I didn't know how I was going to respond playing so long, but what was going through my mind, it was just beautiful to see how far and how much um, the sport have, we have grown in this sport, and just to see all the people there and um, hearing them say my name and um, just the respect of it all was amazing and overwhelming. So I just uh, I'm not a crier, so that just touched me deeply. 
to go out that way. And I know, I know the players appreciate it. All the, the things you've done for the sport, you know, you've, you've set the benchmark for longevity as well. And then Jody can speak to that as well. 25, 25 years, you guys, um, at this point, 25 years later, uh, I mean, red, is this sinking in that, you know, now we're playing in NFL stadiums. We're on actual streaming services and somebody's actually paying attention to just the overall sport. It is. Um, especially after this weekend, after last year, really, when ESPN uh, picked it up and played the Chapters game last year, that's when I was like, yes. And just playing at that stadium, um, knowing that so many um, NFL players played on that in that same stadium and stuff, it's just, yeah, it's a great feeling. It's a great feeling. Jody, uh, you've been at that stage before. In Canton, um, what did you think of the weekend? Your thoughts on the weekend? You know, it was such a nice cap to what was already a very emotional season with the tribute we got that that was also a surprise in St. Louis getting to finish the, the our, our our playing our our uh, our regular season playing careers with that kind of tribute, and the weekend itself was amazing. Uh, I got to participate in the girls' clinic and be on the field for the All-American game and watch some pretty good championship games. So it was really nice to have come from playing in the mud in the middle of nowhere to being at the Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium in Canton, Ohio. And, Jody, you've talked about it before on your podcast and in other on other platforms. Just the fact mm-hmm. that we're that we've arrived sort of on a national stage now with the streaming, with the you know the accessibility, basically not just to family members but anybody that wants to watch the sport, and we're not just exclusively on YouTube. I think uh, I think the progress has been great in the last five years or so. Oh, absolutely. So between the product and the promotion and the outlets, which are the public part, but If you think about, we've now got a league that is supporting 60-plus teams in four divisions of play, and we have thousands of women across this country playing a game that had been closed to us for a long time. And even though I'm done playing now, my work still isn't done. There's still another 25 years of work to make this whole into something that is a household name every weekend. Uh, Red, what, what's your thoughts on that? You know, when you started in 99 now to currently in 2023, but the, the body of work that the league has done, we, you know, we had the IWFL before that for an extended period of time and nothing really blossomed. Now the WFA, like in the last, you know, five, six years, has really, you know, bolstered, the in terms of the imaging of, of the league and the, the sport in itself, right? Yes. Uh, in the last five years, and from and from growing from the I on the IWPFL, growing from that and becoming what we are now just it just shows how much that um, 
there's such passion behind it. You know, the grind that WSA is doing, the push that they're pushing to to try to get sponsorship, to get us out there, to get us known and seen, um, to bring in international players, to be able to come over and play on different teams around the league and get that experience and just growing it all across, just not just here in the USA, but in different countries. So in the past five years, you've seen us grow across the world, and that is amazing. That is amazing. Those are amazing steps forward. Jody, uh, everybody's passionate about 999 overseas, set on seven, and you saw some of the excitement at the IFAB level now in terms of the global Mm -hmm. stage, you know, Mexico coming into Mm -hmm. play. Uh, they could have been a powerhouse last season if they didn't have their issues, you know, with their federation. But on a global scale, Jody, since 99, now where the IFAB tournament is, I mean, we're looking at maybe adding three more countries on top of what the standard countries in Europe and the U.S. So, I mean, just the fact that women want to play at a high level, no different than like, you know, the Women's World Cup stage in terms of soccer is, is uh, kind of like very exciting because there's feeder systems in different countries now. Oh, a a thousand percent. Everybody in the pool, right? So one of the great things about the growth of this sport um, and it exploding overseas is that you've seen the influx of European players into the WFA and other leagues. And now I'm fully expecting more American players to look at that uh, the other way. I think that we can only get better overall by sharing great players. Other sports already do it. So why don't we? And trying to figure out the ways to support that and be successful financially is kind of the next stage. And I believe that not only are the athletes getting better, but the game in all its forms is getting better, whether sevens, nines, any combination. It's all football right? And sure, it may be harder to transition from one uh, game to another, but I do think that football for women and non-binary athletes overall is getting so good. 25 years ago, I couldn't have imagined the level that we're playing at now. There are some athletes out there where it's like, huh, uh, you know, in, Instagram influencers aside, I think there's some real legitimate talent that is on the football stage that you might not see anywhere else. And I can't wait to see that get more exposure on a global level. Red, in terms of your scheme, I know you guys are, you know, defensive players. You've got, you've gotten to see both leagues, the WFC, WFA, but you also get to see now that a lot of the even defensive players are more fundamentally sound than they were in, in maybe, you know, five, six years ago. And I think a lot of those players are also putting in time in the off season or individual training. So I think that's going to elevate the game a lot more. I think it, it, that for sure has grown um, over the years. All I've played is on the line. And it, it, O-line and D-line um, in the past, I'd say, 10 years have become more agile. Um, they're taking them a little bit more they're taking it a lot more serious, should I say, and they're taking time in off in the off season, not just what I used to call it sitting heavy. So sitting heavy mm-hmm. is just um, just basically not moving anywhere, but using your strength or or your your weight to just get in the way. Now they're they're more agile. They're they're learning how to disguise their hand movement when it's placed. Where they're starting to do hand battles, they're starting to uh, pull 
and um, be more athletic and more in shape. And um, they're taking it to a whole other level. So, yeah. Well, yeah. It's, we it's kind of exciting, in, the evolution. Yeah. Go ahead. Could you say it again? I was just going to say, you know, we started out in a very basic I formation pro set um, or or double backs, if you remember, all the way back to 99. And today we're running RPO and 4-2-5 split field coverage and mm-hmm. multiple pack sets. So that, mm-hmm. to me, is the sure sign that the game is in the right direction because teams are starting to do the advanced plays and some of the trickerations that you only see when you get to a certain level of football. And and I think that comes from, and I think that comes from our coaches, just to speak on the coaches that we're starting to uh, attract, you know, they're taking it more serious where they're trusting us to be able to handle those kind of plays, you know, for the quarterback being able to do their reads and um, not just throwing the ball up, but throwing the ball to an area where, their wide receiver has to get there. It's timing to learn the, the the whole part of the game. It's not just getting out there running here or there. There you have to be smart and you have to really study and you have to watch your opponents. And for people to buy into all the aspects of football, it's starting to show now. It's starting to show in our play. It's starting to show in the coaches. It's starting to show in our fans. It's starting to show um, – how many people show up. It used to be just family members. Now it's more than that. You have actual fans that are coming out because they want to see you play. Um, little girls finding their way and saying, being driven two hours to come and see a game. Those are all things that mean so much for the future because the future is only looking upwards. And it's giving, it's giving a place for young girls who – never thought they could do anything because they might be a little different. They might be a little bit heavy. They might not be tall enough to, to be on the basketball team. They might not be quick enough. But in football, they're finding that there's a spot for everyone. If you put that dedication in, you could be amazing. Look at me. I mean, I'm just saying D linemen and O linemen, we don't get the shout-outs. You have some who stand up like the sacks and all that. But to understand the game and know that it starts and ends with O line and D line if D-line is not sucking up the O-line or whatever, your your linebackers are not going to be able to do that. They're not going to be able to, uh, you know, get in there and make the tackles. If you don't have your D-line, they're not going to disrupt the quarterback. If you don't have an O-line, nobody can do anything. So to understand that and to know and still be able to get out there and do it, and another thing, O-line and D-line are touched on 100% of the game. So just imagine that. For 25 years being on the D-line, and playing against different people, all aspects of the to get touched on every single time. You can never take a playoff in a D line or O line ever. They're the hardest working, and just to learn that and embrace that is amazing. And there's so many young women if they see that just being as big and stout as they may feel like there's nothing I can do. Oh, there's a place. So to put that out there and for me to be on this, for that to happen on ESPN. Uh, it's so amazing because I'm a D lineman. I'm a um I'm not the wide receiver. I'm not the quarterback. I'm a D lineman that's been competing at a high level for the last twenty five years and take a hundred percent all the time on that field being double teamed attacked is is great. So 
to be able to give that to show that to other young ladies is monumental to me. Red, uh, the explosion of flag, do you think that's going to just like burst into like a torpedo into into the space? Because flag is kind of like the pathway into the game, but it's also going to mm-hmm. allow, you know, other players to get confidence, right? And to your point, in I, tackle, the, the line work, the line work is all of it. Like to your point, no line work it doesn't do well, then the product looks bad, right? Because it's got to be synchronized. Right. Exactly. I think flag football is going to blow up to the point where it's going to it's going to lead to more wanting to play tackle football because you could go you could be as quick you could be as agile in flag and yes, yeah, great and exciting, but at the end of the day, it's not that grind and in um, that contact, you know. So I think people will start wanting that. And, yeah, it's going to blow up, but it's also going to help us blow up as well. Jody, the, the feeder opinion. system, Utah, Manitoba, New Brunswick. We're going to talk to Trina Grave here in a, in a, in a couple minutes here. But, you know, mm-hmm. up in Canada and, and over in the in, in here in the States, you know, Utah girls set the standard now. It's going to be in high schools pretty much all over uh, Utah with the Utes conference. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's uh, there's things happening in California and in Florida, right? So, I mean – this is not slowing down is my point. Absolutely. And you, you've you seen it, right? You, you've felt it coming because every year, more and more, it's not, ooh, there's a girl on our football team. It's, oh, there's a – can we find a girl for our football team? Because women and girls bring a work ethic and an, an, an undefeatable spirit that I think is a great model for – all sports. We're very competitive. Women are very competitive. And I don't think that's uh, a detrimental quality. I also think that, uh, back to the point about the explosion of flag, I think it's great because the more people, the more girls taking part in sports is the better. I do, I'm very interested to see what happens with people who transition from high-level flag to tackle because it does favor, flag does favor a certain skill set. And really the tackle football game is one in the trenches. And you don't see a lot of those body types out there on a flag football field. So it's going to be interesting to me where the sport goes if a lot of our feeder is from the flag world and we don't, pay a lot of attention about developing those larger needs for the trenches. One of the great things about this past weekend was the girls clinic that we did with the All-Americans uh, coaching the the youth. We saw a couple dozen girls who some of them were ready to step on to like a D3 team immediately. Some of them will be on the WFA pro stage someday. Absolutely. So, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, we couldn't have imagined that. There there weren't any girls, you know, build, build, younger than 12 or even young or even younger than 18. There weren't any girls playing flag or tackle, and now there's thousands. So 
I can't wait to see what happens in the next five to ten years when all of the I call them the the daughters of Title IX, right? Because yep. my generation yep. were the were the were the mothers of Title IX. We're the ones who grew up with Title IX giving us the chance to play, and now we see mm-hmm. the daughters of Title IX, where we mothers have had children and we have encouraged them, boys and girls, to be competitive and to take advantage of all the opportunities that were opened because we decided to make sports an, e- an equality world. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's, the evolution is here. We're just, we're just moving, you know, it's a gradual movement, but we're, we're definitely moving into the higher stages. Um, I wanted mm-hmm. to thank you guys for making the time to come onto the podcast. I know you guys, you know, are busy and all that, but uh, Red, uh, Jody, um, you know, an incredible career. We owe you a lot bringing attention to the sport not just uh, you know to this generation but the previous generation as well and uh, you know hopefully you guys will dive into coaching and uh, and keep supporting the sport that way in terms of your local teams or your organization but uh, you know I I, uh, thank you for all your contributions I know our our fans and everybody that loves the sport appreciate you guys for everything you've done for the sport and uh, the reason I wanted to bring you on here is to give you your fair fair send-off because you guys deserve it. Thank you so much. Thank you for yeah, having us. I appreciate you. it. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. The only thank thing you. I want to close with is if you don't have a team locally or you do have a local team and maybe you can't afford a ticket or you don't know how to support them, follow them on social media. Share all their posts. Yep. All of that costs nothing, and it is the best way to make sure that your local team and your local players or the team that you love stays active and and going. So please support your local women's football organization. If you if your if your favorite one is across the country, do what you can to get the word out because that's how we will continue to grow. That's awesome. Yes, ditto that. <laughs> solid solid point. Uh Jody <laughs> I hope to see you on the sidelines, Red, maybe on the sidelines, or uh, at this point, you know, your futures are, I don't know where you're going to be at, but we really, really appreciate you guys coming on here. Really uh, appreciate you guys, your devotion to the sport, 25 years, Hall of Famers ultimately as well. And so really, really appreciate you guys and looking forward to what things are you guys going to be doing next. Thank you. Thank you. You have a good night. Thank you. Thank you, Oscar. Appreciate it. Have a great night. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, guys, that was the legendary Jody Moose Raylander and Cynthia Red Bryant of the Minnesota Vixen, uh, an outstanding individuals, 1999 to now, 25 years of devoting to the sport, pioneers, ultimately, of the sport of women's tackle football. Uh, Minnesota Vixen pioneers, legends in Minnesota, um, so, you know, if you haven't seen them, uh, get some highlights, YouTube, everything. But uh, what an amazing uh, group of individuals together as one, and they branch out as one. So kind of cool in that sense, too. They 25 years together, and they started together, and now they're leaving together. So looking forward to Jody on the sidelines, on the, in the booth, looking forward to Red. I don't know what she's going to do, whether she's going to just continue coaching or contributing in other ways. But overall, those – those two individuals uh, are amazing people and ultimately awesome athletes as well. So looking forward to see what they're going to do in the future. Uh, we're going to be getting 
we're going to be getting uh, going to with in Canada, and we're talking about the future of the sport in general. We're talking about um, you know the growth of the sport in terms of the youth foundation, and what better to discuss it than this week? Uh, the Football Canada's National Women's Under 18 Championships were, are taking place up north in Canada, and why don't we dive into two awesome individuals, uh, IFAB's multi-time sil- silver medalist, Maritime Football League uh, multi-time champion, that is Trina Grave, and then Coach Nick Murray of the Under under Women's 18 coach as well. So let's bring him in into the house here. Coach Murray uh, and, uh, and uh, Trina, welcome back to the show. How's it going, Trina? Oscar, how are you doing? Thank you very much for this. I I just wanted to bring you guys on because uh, you guys are the hot thing right now in terms of uh, attention globally in terms of Canada. So it's kind of exciting, you know, the under-18 tournament. I mean, this is this is big. Yeah, absolutely incredible. It, you know, the Team New Brunswick was fortunate enough to uh, participate last last year as well and uh, came out with the uh, the bronze medal. So. We are here this year. Uh, we are doing our best to continue the growth um, in New Brunswick of, uh, of U18. Um, the reason why I was uh, insistent on Coach Murray joining me this evening is because he is our development manager, manager for uh, football in New Brunswick. So he is spearheading um, the opportunity to get a couple teams going again that we uh, had previously in the province. Um, that, you know, we lost some numbers and whatnot, but uh, we are certainly trying to get the grind going again and get more women back on the field. Trina, um, and I'm moving a little bit farther and farther for... away from her. Yeah, it was giving okay, a little no feedback, so Nick is just moving a little away. <laughs> Um, let's start with you, Trina. What did you think of the tournament in terms of Canada not being as successful as you had been in the previous tournaments? You think that oh. that was something to do with petering, or what? What do you think? Um, I, I just think that uh, that women's football in general is is excelling faster than um, than we realize. I mean, we talk about how good the teams are getting and and the skill. Um, you know, the ladies were just talking about all of the things that we do now that, you know, previously weren't an expectation of us. So, you know, the last time we played Great Britain for Team Canada and the last time we played Finland for Team Canada, you know, it was a very different, a very different feel, a very different look. So, you know, each time we go, we have, you know, our coaches, uh, you know, bring us to the best level that we can. And we all work together on the sideline on and off the field and we, we work for the best outcome. You know, sometimes it doesn't work in our favor. However, it is only an opportunity to uh, to get better, so and that's what the teams are doing, and, and that's why the the outcome is where it is. I think it's exciting to see Canada's, you know, the Mar- the Man- Manitoba Girls Football League now kind of a feeder system for Winnipeg in terms of the WWCFL. We have the we have the Central Central Canadian Women's Football League forming as well. You got the Maritime as you guys have been on there. So the growth of in terms of the women's tackle in Canada. Is starting to expand in, ways, in terms of, like, you know, a lot of ways. Um, Coach Nick, uh, thank you for making the time. I know you're a busy guy and everything. Um, what, what, what do you see the future in terms of just in general, in terms of the girls' game growing in, in, in terms of Canada? I mean, it's hard to speak for a country, but I, I would say, you know, especially in the East Coast, 
one of the things that we're seeing is now that we're getting a little bit of a limelight, you know, this is our second national tournament. People are starting to pay a little bit of attention. Um, you know, I echo what you know was said, you know, previously about having the feeder system and having these young ladies want to, you know, be a part of something special. We're seeing that now at the minor level where, you know what, we get the opportunity to compete. And that's not something that, you know, is traditional for football necessarily. And, you know, it's taken a little bit maybe longer than uh, a lot of people would like, but we're seeing a lot of just general interest. And that's leading to, you know, putting a small team here and a small team there. You know, you start with the six side football so that, you could grow those those numbers and, and show young ladies that there's an opportunity for them to, to really not only participate in a sport that maybe has been closed off for them for a number of years, but, um, you know, excel at it, which, which is really exciting. And in the maritime, it's been pretty much a, a standard in terms of, like, certain teams surviving over years, where in other places, like in the state, you know, teams – you know, come and go in terms of like, you know, the feeder system for like pro level. But in maritime, it's, yeah. it's usually been pretty staple in terms of having like, you know, four teams, five teams competing all the time. So it's, it's kind of nice to see that, you know, stable mentality. Yeah. And, you know, when we talk about the, you know, especially New Brunswick, we've got the Fredericton, St. John and, and the Moncton regions, you know, strong uh, senior programs. And, you know, we've seen that, those are the stable junior programs as well. And so it's been really good this year. I mean, look out New Brunswick. It's really, really taking off. We're seeing a lot of interest for the fall. We might double uh, our fall programming for the varsity girl level at that high school age this year, which is just really, really exciting to see. I love the fact that uh, Manitoba kicked it off the, you know, the, the Winnipeg um, area was really awesome. Last year, you know, the Manitoba Fearless actually made it to the final in terms of the WCFL, mm-hmm. and all of their recruits, except for, I think, 10 of them, all came from the Maritime Girls Football League, which was really cool. Yeah, and, you know, when you get stability and, you know, you can start putting people in, in um, positions to succeed and do something they love, like, we're a transient society now. People move. And, and so mm-hmm. it's, it's cool because, you know, now we're having, and I just had a, an athlete ask me, you know, she's moving to Calgary and she's like, you think there's any football there? I was like, actually, right? Like, you know, if you're heading out west, you know, there, there are opportunities. Um, and so it's really cool to be able to say, hey, um, this isn't just a maritime thing. It's not just a Fredericton thing. We're not just a, you know, a club league. Uh, there's a connection across the country to, to ladies. And, you know, we're here at the national tournament and Trina's going around hugging half the coaching staffs in the, in, <laughs> in, 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 on, on each because they've all shared that Team Canada experience, right? They've all, they've all kind of competed at the highest level together, and, and it's pretty cool to see. And that's what's in the future for these, these ladies. This is where you make your connections, and this is where you get to see other teams and other coaches and other, other groups and other opportunities, and it's just – this is where it happens when we bring everybody together. Trina, um, you're contributing back. I know a lot of the players in terms of the, the Valkyries in, in, in Regina region are doing the same. Um, I think, like, you know, to Jody's point here previously, you know, she's, they, they spent 25 years playing the sport. I think a lot of the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the players from the last, you know, eight, ten years are now really branching into coaching, which is a big benefit mm-hmm 
because before it was like all male coaches, right? Now we're starting to mm-hmm. see transition where there's actual female coaches within the male realm that obviously impact mm-hmm. differently in terms of a, you know, in terms of a group setting, in terms of fundamentals, and in terms of understanding uh, just in general, you know, how to make the sport better. Absolutely, and, and I would say that, uh, you know, not just, you know, female coaches going through for female teams. Um, when I was thinking about not playing or when I was <laughs> thinking about retirement, I started uh, moving into the coaching. So I was with the MSL uh, Valley Razors for, uh, for a few years. I mean, I coached for them last year and planned to this coming year. I just stepped away from varsity because, um, you know, the, the plan is to get our Hampton KVHS team going uh, outside of St. John. So, the, the, you know, the, the skill and the communication and the, the, the new lessons learned from the men's side definitely translates um, um, to the other. But from the, the perspective of the women that are coming up through and then giving back, I mean, I got to start late in, late in life, I guess it is. I started playing the year I turned 29. Um, but now being able to take that information and the experiences and the lessons and, and pass it on, um, I've had four years previous in, in years with the, the junior girls program, um, but now that it's being bolstered and getting going again, I think it's very important to take all of these lessons through the last 15, 16 years of, of football and really impart that and, and show girls what they can do and what they have inside them and, you know, the opportunities that they, that they have in this sport. Coach Nick, um, the difference between – you know, the male and female sometimes is a big, big transition for male coaches, but I think the comfort zone will be eventually where, you know, full teams are going to be pretty much female coaches, right, in general. And that's going to be, I think, a, a great thing to shift to. Yeah, no, and, you know, when I took on the football New Brunswick sort of mantle um, to, to be able to help these young ladies get started, you know, that to me is the grand vision, right? I want to work my way out of a job. So my my goal and my role is to mentor uh, as many young women that want to get involved in coaching and to give back. And then those that maybe haven't, you know, had the opportunity to cut their teeth. And so that, you know what, as we continue to grow together, we're not only creating, you know, women coaches that can coach at a national level, regardless of male, female, just quality football coaches, mm-hmm. but we're normalizing mm-hmm. the yep. behavior of young ladies returning, right? We're normalizing yep. the behavior of not necessarily jumping in traditional admin roles, but actually putting a headset on or getting on the sidelines. And so I think that's super important. It was one of the reasons, you know, we put such an emphasis on trying to find young ladies and, and, you know, young women that maybe are early on in their, their football journey. Like, do you like coaching? Have you thought about coaching? Maybe we'll go, we'll start at the U8s, right? We'll start at something a little bit younger um, and, and build into, you know, national level coaches. And I don't know that we're that mm-hmm. far off. I, you know, there's a ton of quality athletes out there that just, you know, maybe haven't retired yet or haven't fully committed to giving up the playing days. But if we can normalize the behavior of just jumping onto the sidelines, there's going to be some young athletes like myself. I, you know, I played football 
Um, I, I there was no next level opportunities for me. The way I stayed involved in the sport was by jumping into the sidelines. And, and so I think that's a super important thing too. When you have the individuals like Karina with all that experience and then you get to come back and say like, shoot, you know, that's a Canadian, um, national team player given back to 14, 15, 16 year old young ladies, like that's positive role models that we can emulate and we can put in other areas. It's exciting to see that, Trina, because we're looking at, you know, the ISAP tournament from what I read and what I gather from, you know, the leadership there. They're really, you know, they're trying to balloon the sport to a prominence, kind of like the Soccer World Cup. You know, they want to make it right. as visible as that. So the next level is going to be that level where, you know, co- female coaches, we're going to get to see, you know, we already have that in certain aspects in terms of the states and in Canada where there are mm-hmm. coaches on the sidelines and there's get, they're getting opportunities obviously to be, you know, uh, positional coaches in general, but ultimately, you know, we're going to get to that next stage where we, we're going to get to see, you know, on the IFAS stage, female coaches, head coaches, uh, rivals basically in terms of the, of the inter- international stage. Absolutely. I mean, we already have, you know, uh, Sadia is the head coach for our, our Quebec team. Yep. Uh, you know, all, all of her years and her experience with Blitz, and then, you know, to come on for, for quarterback for Team Canada over and over, it's just, you know, she literally has come from the beginning of this and all the way through. Um, and when it comes to the, the rest of the ladies that I've had amazing experiences with that are on the coaching staff, the, the ladies that are on their team, when it comes to our next nationals and when it comes to our next world, some of these girls are going to be eligible. And it's absolutely exciting to see the passion that they have and the potential that they have to move up through the ranks and have those experiences. It's awesome. Um, Coach Nick, uh, what do we expect for New Brunswick in terms of the women's game? We've got my teens. Um, what other things are brewing that we're not aware of currently? Um, I think that, you know, you had sort of touched on it. Uh, the explosion of flag, I think, is sort of the next phase. Um, we're getting a ton of interest, you know, for, for New Brunswick young ladies for the fall. Really excited about the way the varsity girl program is going to explode in the fall. Um, I think the spring next year when we start rolling into some of our flag programming is going to be eye-opening i think there's going to be a ton of young ladies that we just coming out of nowhere and so i'm really excited about that aspect um but uh given the fact that we're in the middle of the tournament right now i'm just excited to watch these ladies uh compete tomorrow uh we have an Mm -hmm. amazing group of young ladies that uh, just put up 72 points in a loss and are feeling pretty angry so uh, it's going to be really <laughs> exciting tomorrow to, to see what they do. And, and realistically, that passion that they bring in tomorrow is what's going to be uh, unmatched when we go back to New Brunswick at, at the end of the month and, and turn that into fall programming. Uh, Trina, uh, all our fans, we got messages when we started posting the, uh, the U18 and you got, the, feed, you got the, the live feed on Football Canada, of course. Um, uh-huh. Everybody was just shocked that these are like youth girls playing football <laughs> it's kind of weird yeah, that, but that's what we get like are these are these young women playing football because you know yeah. the, the whole mentality is nobody even believes that right and so our that's page right. is and, that's and, what it is right and that's what we get feedback we're like yeah this is happening in canada have no idea. Live this weekend <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, and even at our practice this evening, um, over on the over on the fence, there was a there was a father, and he asked one of uh, he asked our GM, you know, is this a, is this a team? Is this a local team? Can my daughter come play for you right now? Because she's in Ontario and she's looking for opportunities, but right now there there's no place for her with the boys. And so she was yeah. given some information you know, to, to to look it up. And look, there's one more player that we just fed into the system because she wants to play football. Like it's just yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely incredible. This tournament, yeah, when they, and they, they watched it. This tournament has changed. Uh, you know, it's eye-opening because uh, I didn't get notice of this until I think I talked to you. Uh, I think it was like last year. I think it was the year or a couple months ago. And um, you know, we yeah. we ended up realizing it. And you said, hey, we're gonna have the U the under 18 uh, tournament. And you know, we didn't anticipate that at all. So this is this is nice to see. Uh, it's kind of like if you take the uh, the Manitoba program, now we're elevating it to a different level here in terms of the 18s, because the Manitobas I think are uh, it's under that that program as well. But you know, in terms of a national scope, this is this is big. Absolutely. Yeah, well, and not only national. Like when we're talking about provincial teams putting them in, you know, this year we've got the national indigenous team. So, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're uniting, you know, people from across different provinces to create a truly national team competing at a national tournament as well. Like it's, it's massive for the growth of the sport. Coach Nick, the, the, the tournament like they do in the U S some of the tournaments they do like with the flag set up, um, is it going to be invitational? Are we scouting anybody in terms of all these provinces? In terms for like a national scope, I'm pretty sure whoever's running football Canada is already probably going to think about that. But you know what I'm talking about—the influx of youth onto the, so, you know, the national team and other uh, for trials. I'm sure like that, that whoever's whoever is going to be in charge of Team Canada, I'm positive they're paying attention. Uh, we've got you know <laughs> hundreds of young ladies here, um, you know, uh, in Ontario playing ball. And then, you know, we've just brought, you know, I think a, uh, 22 per team. So whatever that is in terms of math um, of the best, you know, U18 football players. Um, so I, I think that it'd be pretty naive if somebody wasn't paying attention. And I think if you you watched game day one, you're going to see some of these athletes. Um, there might be mm-hmm. some Team Canada athletes getting a little nervous because there's some young pups coming up that are uh, that are <laughs> legitimate football players um, that are that are scary good, and so yeah, super exciting. I know at the provincial level, as all the varsity programs you know expand, and you know Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario. We provincial coaches are 100% driving around and, you know, starting to make those connections, which I think just perpetuates the growth of the sport because, you know, the guys get it with the youth sport. The guys get it with the colleges. Um, they, they, you know, there's next level sort of opportunities. But for a lot of these young ladies, Team Canada is, you know, the peak. And so this opportunity is their opportunity to show up and to show out and to really you know, have a ton of fun and just the difference in quality of play between our first inaugural tournament last year and this year mm-hmm. was, you know, phenomenal. It's, it's absolutely incredible. And you see some of these young ladies and like, you can tell they're in the gym and they've, you know, they've progressed from year one to year two. And so, you know, the sky's the limit as how far they can go, but it's pretty cool. And I think that's yeah, I'm excited. what the ladies were speaking about game. before. 
Sorry Go about ahead, that. Me. I think it speaks to what they were talking about before. You know, it used to be that you went, even with the senior women, you, you went and played football, and then all of a sudden you start getting into your off-season training and you realize what you need for it and what you want for it and how you develop and how you get better. So the off-field work is, is absolutely evident in a lot of these younger players um, that are, are dedicating that time off the field so that when they come back, you know, for these tournaments and, and for, these, uh, for these situations, that they're that much better. Yeah, I know, and the level of play has been very exciting. High scoring, very explosive, right? Uh, it's, it's been a great tournament. So if you guys haven't caught it, uh, the UA Women's National Championship, July 21st to the 29th. Uh, I believe tomorrow is tomorrow the semifinals on when, I mean Wednesday, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, tomorrow. And then we have finals on Friday, if, am I correct? Saturday. That would be Saturday. Saturday, okay. So there, uh, uh, Coach Nick, thank you for coming in. Points. No, There's I know. 162 <laughs> points know, in I our first it. game. So <laughs> anyone who wants, yeah. anyone who wants to see some points scored, like we we fly around. It's uh, it's a ton of fun. Uh, you know, no, at was, one point we looked awesome over at each other and went, "This is basketball, right? <laughs> yeah, this is nuts." Yeah. But you know, if you watch that game, you clearly saw two athletes that just had the game of their lives. And uh, yep. we're we're hoping to replicate that hopefully with a W this time around. Yeah. Awesome. All right, uh, Trina, Coach Nick, really appreciate it. Looking forward to uh, the tournament final here, the semifinals, and then obviously the final on Saturday. We're going to be watching, um, and uh, the links are at the at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Square Beauties. You can also go to uh, via Football Canada, get the link right there as well. I uh, wish you a continued success, Coach Nick, uh, Trina, also as well. Continued success thank there. Thank you so much, Austin. And uh, awesome tournament. Thank and you. we're going to be watching till the end on Saturday. So thank you for coming on and giving us the, the skinny. Oh, I appreciate so much. you taking Take the time to have us. Have a great night. All right, you too. All right, guys, that was uh, Trina Graves uh, and Coach Nick Murray of the uh, Under-18 Women's National Championship tournament that's happening right now currently in Canada. So awesome. Get to watch the semifinals tomorrow, Wednesday, the final on Saturday. Get everything that you need at the hub, facebook.com forward slash Beauties, and that's at, that's where it's at. We're going to go into the uh, second hour. Uh, can't believe it's almost an hour it's gone by. Uh, but thanks to uh, Red Bryant coming in here, Jody Raylander, Trina Graves, and uh, Coach Nick Murray for coming in here to give us the lowdown on what's happening up in Canada and the excitement for this weekend to finish up strong with the finals there of the under-18 tournament. Uh, so we're going to go into the huddle, and we're going to be t- diving into the MVP of Division Three, and that would be the talented Ace Ware of the West Palm Beach Coyotes. Ace, what's going on? Hey, how you doing? Come on, Ace. you got to be excited. MVP. <laughs> I am excited. Okay, let's do it. Uh, your team showed out. Uh, I will have to apologize to you officially on the podcast. We did, not under, we did not think your team had enough to score 14 points, and did you blow our minds away? Yeah, that's understandable. We like to prove them wrong. Well, we were proven wrong, so I'm apologizing on the air right now because <laughs> I was like, I didn't anticipate 58 points. Yeah. Uh, what a game for you, what a game for Williams, what a game for your, your squad. 
I mean, once you guys got rolling, I was lights out for New Mexico. That's all I got to say. Yeah, our coaches basically told us that we needed to go out and that we needed to execute, that we needed to stay together and play as a team. And I think we, we went out and did that, and the scoreboard basically showed that. The anticipation here, um, Ace, can you tell us a little bit about the game against Mayhem that we saw, 14-8, pretty tough battle, you know, really good matchup game, right to get you to Canton. Um, you guys have obviously – you guys are no strangers to winning championships. You guys won two championships in your previous league in the WTFL for consecutive years. So what was, what was the mindset after that win uh, in terms of your, your squad? Hey, you know, we're champions too, previous champions from another league. We're on the big stage now. So coming into Canton, what was the mindset for your squad? Uh, we definitely wanted to put on a show. We definitely wanted to show that, you know, we wanted to be there and that we deserve to be there. Um, I think we kind of underestimated Maine, but it was definitely like a wake-up call, a good game to be played before we went to Canton because um, we knew we couldn't go up there, like, joking around and stuff like that. We had to go up and we had to handle business. Um, again, our coaching staff and our team, basically, we just locked in and we just was like, okay, we're going to have fun, but this is a business trip. Like you said, we're on a big stage. A lot of us are Florida girls. We were really – you know, been anywhere, you know, the, joining this team was a way for a lot of us to travel. We've seen a lot of places, you know, due to us playing women's soccer football. So the experience when you arrived there, was it an awe experience for you to be at the NFL Canton Hall of Fame? Tell, tell me about the experience when you arrived, you know, on Thursday. Did you arrive on I Thursday, mean, I believe, was, right? No, we uh, majority of us flew in like late Thursday night. Um, so I was one of the ones that got there kind of later. Um, but some of our teammates, our quarterback and our center were already like sending us videos. Um, they were out there with one of our owners, Becca, they were like sending us pictures, telling us like, man, this is lit, what an experience. So we were already like eager to see it. And then when we woke up Friday, it just already started looking like, you know, similar to the women's NFL. It was like, we got out of the hotel, we got on this huge bus. We were all together, and then we pull up, and we, like, see the stadium, and and we literally, like, our lips were dropping. We, like, pulling out our phones, recording, the big old screen. I mean, we ain't seen nothing like that <laughs> at all. So we all, like, recording. We get off. We, like, walking through the tunnel. We get in the locker rooms, and it's like, oh, my God. We got cups. We got little lockers. They got little numbers on it. We, like, hanging up our stuff. We like, man, we done made it to the league. <laughs> so we were just in there, like, enjoying that experience together. We were in shock, but it was great. And then once we padded up and we knew that it was time and we went out for warm-up, it was like, yeah, we here. And we got out there, we got on that field, you know, nice grass, all those seats and things like that. It, it was just, it was shocking. It was very emotional, you know, for me, um, being in that environment. It was definitely an experience I won't forget. The route, what did you think of the route? You guys were, like, literally scoring at will. <laughs> literally scoring at will. That was awesome to see. You said, you said the route? I said, yeah, the route. Like, you guys were literally scoring at will. So, it was, for us fans, it was, like, kind of exciting to see, you know, because it's like, man, they just turned on the Jets. 
Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, one thing that the um, Bonita's coach did come and tell us is that um, he said that we look slower on film. And I found that, um, you know, very comical because, you know, when you speak on South Florida and you speak on athletes, like one of the key things everyone knows is speed. So um, I think they kind of underestimated us in, you know, that aspect. Um, Also, we kind of studied them as well. We knew they, you know, they had some fast, speedy players and some hard-hitting players. But, again, you know, we do too. So we just we followed the game plan, you know, giving them nothing outside. Our linemen did a great job, you know, filling up the holes in the middle with us um, being in that 5-3 defense most of the game. You know, they held it down, our corners, and, you know, myself as a safety, we just were looking for the outside run, making sure we wrap up, making sure, you know, we got more than one helmet um, on the ball carrier, and we finished strong. Yeah, that was awesome to see. I'm going to bring in Mackenzie Brooks here. Uh, she's obviously experienced that stage as well um, in terms of the NFL. But Mackenzie, uh, Ace, where? MVP, D3, Coyote. Yo, Ace, what's up, champ? What's up? Man, look, listen, let me tell you something right now. Y'all team had me screaming at this at the, at the TV screen watching all game. I was like, yo, D3 be out here like that? Like, I was, I ain't even going to hold you. I was highly impressed. Like, and not, and not, that's not to, like, discredit y'all team or the talent in D3. I just, I, I, I ain't even going to hold you. I didn't even think it was going to be a blowout for real because I've, I've been watching uh, D3 and, like, I've been watching both your guys' teams up, you know, up until this point. So I'm like, okay, this should be a pretty good matchup. And then y'all just, whoo, y'all just took off. I was like, wait a minute. I was like, wait a second, where did all this come from? But people don't realize when you're in a setting like that, your mindset changes. Everything that you've done during the season prior to that championship game and even prior to um, playoffs matters not until you put it all full circle to that championship setting. Like, things that you didn't do during season just magically come together during that championship setting. So you're just like – like things that you have been working on all season and you didn't expect to happen just happened. So y'all just out here rolled out the red carpet and y'all just y'all it was your defense was on fire, your offense was on point. You was out here running through people. I was like, <laughs> wait a minute, like let me get some of that. Like I just want to say congratulations. Like y'all worked. Like every every team that got to this point as far as getting to the championship game and getting to you know the All Star game and getting to the, like the road to Canton as the show says and everything like that like that they have worked you guys have worked to get to that to that position so hats off to you guys and and hats off to the Benitas like the Benitas Benitas you know worked their way to the championship unfortunately it didn't go their way but for y'all to get to where you started to get to where you're at now and have that D3 trophy y'all are out here y'all are out y'all are out here Ooh, ooh. so let me ask you this if there's anything that you could change up until this season, whether good, bad, or indifferent, what would it be and why? Um, honestly, I really can't think of anything that I would change. Um, you know, I was there with my team, the same team I've been with for three years. Um, we won three championships. We made it there with them, you know, majority of our same coaching staff and players, so it's really nothing that I would change, you know, even if there was something that, you know, did happen or could have happened that could have went wrong, 
I still would have took the good with the bad because it just was an overall great experience. I just, I can't name a negative thing about, you know, this weekend, this season in general. It's just, everything was just good and worth it to me in the end. That's fair. Yeah, and and sometimes you're not always going to have something that you would change or tweak whether the, you know, whether the end result ended up in a championship or whether the end result ended up, you know, in a loss. The fact that, y'all were able to be there and say, like, yo, like, we were we were on this Hall of Fame field. Like, some of y'all wish you would be there type thing. And, like, not speaking from cockiness as far as, like, you know, having been in that position, it would have been more or less, like, you don't know what it's like to you've been in that type of setting, essentially. Like, and there's all kinds of teams that, you know, that wish they could have been there. And that's just going to drive them more to get to where you guys were. Y'all, y'all going to have a target on your back. Y'all, and y'all know it. And y'all, you know, y'all, maybe y'all are looking to move to D, you know, to D2, whatever the case is. But just know that people are watching y'all. People are always, you know, there's young girls out here now that are seeing, um, you know, seeing that they can play tackle football at a, at a higher level past high school and past college. Um, you know, obviously the goal is to get, you know, get paid to play the sport that we love and to promote the sport that we love. Obviously that's the ultimate goal, but I think with, this past, like this past season that we just ended with last weekend, as far as the WFA is concerned, we are very much in the direction. It starts with the developmental level and the D3 level because those are the first two levels people see. So, y'all, like I said, hats off to you guys. I literally, I was floored. I was just like, y'all just out here running, running back and forth, and just, but like defense is just flying around, helmets on, you know, helmets on the ball carrier, everything, like gaps were covered. I was just like, wait a minute. I said, these, these are two sound teams. You know, at the end of the day, it just it comes out to who wants it more, who executed the best. And right now it's y'all. So y'all, y'all are the champs. So I'm kind of hoping y'all hold. I ain't even going to lie. I hope y'all hold that for a long, long time. Yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of us watch the game over and over again just, you know, in shock and disbelief that, you know, we were there, like, the commentator was great. We seeing ourselves, like, we watching it on our TVs. It's like, at this point, you know, we done made it. So it was definitely an experience for all of us um, as well. And it was, um, it'll be very, you know, rememberable. Um, There have been some discussions um, in reference to us going D2. um, But us as players, it doesn't matter to us, you know, what division you know, we're in, we just want to, you know, we want to compete, we want to play, and like you said, we're doing it now so that um, the younger girls can do it later. And definitely the goal is, you know, to eventually, you know, get some income out of it. But at the end of the day, you know, it's all about having fun. If you love what you do, it's not always about the monetary value and things like that. So um, a lot of our players um, got to speak to some of the younger girls that were out there and, you know, them asking us for signatures and stuff like that. It was very heartwarming. Um for us to see that type of things happening, you know, there, here, everywhere around the world, you're seeing more younger girls come out and be interested in playing and understanding that it is opportunities opening up for them to be able to. Absolutely. And, and I've been, I personally have been playing football since I was six years old uh, and I'm old as hell at this point in my life. Um, this was supposed to be my last year, but after seeing like all the different types of competition that my team can look forward to next season. I'm like, I, I can't, I just, I can't step away. It's hard to step away or take a step back from something that you truly love when you've invested so much time into it. And like, 
I could tell that just personally, like player to player, I could tell that watching through the screen when you guys were working and working and progressing through the entire game just to build the lead. Or and and, and, and like and it's not even a it's not even the lead itself. It was the fact that both sides were competitive. I think the biggest misconception with women's football or women's sports in general is that it's not going to be competitive because it's not you know the flashy stuff we're used to seeing on TV every week with men's sports or you know with NFL, w, you know, NBA, WNBA type of thing. But in reality, it literally is. You just have to know what you're looking for. So, you know, and everybody says that women's football is is fundamental-based. And obviously you can tell that's exactly what it is. It's fundamental-based. But you literally can still play the game at a high level when it's fundamental-based. It doesn't have to be about, you know, the, the big D tackle getting the pick six for a 45-yard, you know, uh, touchdown return or – you know, the strong arm quarterback bombing 75 yards for a Hail Mary. <laughs> like, fundamental, you know, fundamentals is what is what gets you to groundwork in the first place. And you guys, I mean, at I think, that, it, at, at I mean, I think level, it looks the same. I think it looks the same, you know. Um, I do too. Oh, absolutely. Opposed no, I absolutely us, agree. Opposed, I, to, opposed to us ever coming out of, you know, like, if we just kept on our helmets and kept on our shoulder pads, you know, the genders wouldn't make a difference. We just look like athletes. So you know the guys are making picks, the girls are making picks. They making tackles, we making tackles. I don't, I don't personally think that it looks different. I just think that it's a sport. Uh, if you're athletic, you can catch, you can understand plays, you can understand the defense, the offense, and everything like that. I just see us all as athletes, um, and it's great to see that you know it's basically pushing towards equal opportunity and things like that. That you know we we have this league and we're able to play on a big stage, you know, just like them. And to me, this weekend was you know, pretty close to feeling like I was in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And and that's something that you're going to carry with you for a long time. Like, that's, that's something you're going to carry with you with a, for a long time, champ. But I, I pretty much – I'm done picking your brain. Oscar, anybody else, if you guys have anything else to add to the champ brain, I'm here for it. Well, Ace, I really appreciate you making the time, taking a, a time of your busy schedule. Hope you had a safe flight home. Uh, looking forward to 2024, and I believe the grind starts all over again, right? I don't know if you're in the gym next week or the week after, but a lot of players start into the grind once again. So, But uh, what a performance by your team. What an excellent performance by yourself individually as well. And uh, we're looking forward to the Coyotes repeat maybe in D2 if they if you upgrade to yeah. D2. Yeah, we're going for four, so. Um, thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity, and you guys keep an eye out for the Coyotes. We ain't going nowhere. Period. Oh, uh, we don't expect you, we don't expect you to go anywhere, <laughs> especially <laughs> after that performance. <laughs> but a uh, great job! Congratulations! Shout out to the West Palm Beach Coyotes. Uh, thank you, Aceware, for coming in here. Uh, D three MVP. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Have a good night. All right, Mac. Uh, I mean, what a performance, not by just number one there, but literally everybody, Williams, Greer. I mean, I, I, didn't, whole, I did not anticipate. Yeah, I'm the whole I did not anticipate a route, basically. That's all I want to tell you right now. Look, I'm going to just tell you that I literally went two for three, so it's cool. Um, and I'm about to get yeah. out of it. It's cool. <laughs> uh, no, but in, in like, all, you know, all joking aside, like, it's – if y'all are not at the hub and y'all are not following us on social media and you're not following the different leagues that we cover, you're not following the different athletes that we cover, then you're never going to be in the know. Like, you wouldn't have known 
about Ace Ware and them coyotes in West Palm Beach. If you weren't watching, you weren't staying constantly in tune. But, I mean, I can only tell them so much, Oscar. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, let's bring in the backseat coach who's been hiding in the backseat. And uh, let's get him in, in here. We're going to be talking – we're going to be talking to the uh, the talented Daniel Ayala of the New York Wolves. Uh, we, got, we were going to have Gabby Farrell in, but unfortunately something's come up. Uh, but, you know, that, that girl right there, Mac, 56, all over the place. Yo. So let's bring in Danielle Yo, here. She's, who's, she's no stranger, 56 being around her. But literally, Danielle, what did you think of Gabby's performance? That's why I want to bring her on here. What a beast. Hey, Oscar. Uh, yeah. I mean, Gabby is just Gabby. I mean, that's what she does. It's nothing new. She's ready for the WWE contract. If you saw her tackling all game, <laughs> she was bruising everybody. Oh, yeah. I feel sorry for those girls. She's got to wrestle. But, um, you know, I'm happy to have her on my squad, and I, and I don't have to go against her. All right, Gabby. Uh, I'm a, uh, Gabby's so awesome that I, I guess she decided she wasn't going to come on at this point. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, something came up, so she wasn't able to make it. Uh, but we'll see her in wrestling, hopefully, some point here. Uh, Gabby Forza, yeah. that's her name. So we'll give Gabby mm-hmm. Forza the, 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 the nod here. Uh, Danielle, okay, I'm going to start with what we did last podcast, and I'm pretty sure you listened to us. Okay, we were in that mode. Mulligan gets you to the finals. And our question was, Ayala starts, or is it going to Mulligan start? You know, what are they going to do to this OKC team that apparently, you know, was lights out offensively, you know, stout all season? And my God, woman, I mean, you took care of business, and then they, they couldn't adjust to Mulligan. Uh, you get Mulligan and Gatling to finish it up for you guys again. I mean, uh, what did you see at the beginning? You started it. They were, they were putting pressure on you, uh, ultimately you know, trying to get you there. And, you know, what did, what's her name? Uh, Chanel? Chanel was all, all over you that, that first th- two quarters. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, you know, a little bit of pressure. Uh, I wasn't really expecting them to change their defense, um, you know, so we were pretty prepared for what they brought us. Um, yeah, a little bit of pressure is fine. You know, it's it's a, it's all good. You know, you adjust to it and, and – that's all you can do. Um, but like I said, since they didn't adjust their defense, we were able to kind of pick them apart um, and just try to push the ball as much as we can um, in the first half and then continue that in the second. Danielle, uh, what did you see initially when – because you got, you got sacked, I think, twice or three times. I don't know if that was – I think it was twice. What did you see on the edges? Because they were coming, like – Chanel and I can't – I'm trying to write down the name. But anyways, <laughs> two of them were really pressuring you on either side. And they really they really got to you initially, but then you got to start – then you started getting to your groove, uh, especially with that run mm-hmm. – the run touchdown. Yeah, I mean, you know, trying to adjust our blocking. Um, you know, we just got to play smart and try to get as much coverage and protection for me as possible. Um, you know, they're quick. They're quick off the ball, which we expected. Um but, you know, little adjustments here and there, and we were able to contain them. So, yeah, that's a, that's that's about it. Now, the, the transition, uh, you had your wide receivers pretty much in sync mm-hmm. all game. 
And then at the end, obviously, you know, you shut them down with uh, Mulligan and Gantlin again. Um, so it's mm-hmm. kind of like the repeat of that fourth quarter in Baltimore. But uh, we didn't anticipate a shutout. So did you did you anticipate a shutout? I mean, they were like they were they were on fire all season, and your defense did an awesome job. Listen, I have the utmost faith in my defense. Every game I go in, I think they're going to shut these teams out because they're that good. So, um, you know, this time it proved true. So I'm, I'm like, so happy for them. Um, I know that this is what they wanted. They wanted to just make a statement in the championship game, and they did so. Really awesome. Let's bring in Mac because she, uh, I will just say here publicly, I did not think your team was going to win. Okay, Danielle? So I apologize <laughs> because my picks were wrong. Okay? But Mac here, Mac said New York taking the ship. So there you go. Thanks, Mac. Listen. Thanks the- <laughs> look, I got you. Look, listen. Okay, listen. Look, let me tell you something right now. And I'm, I'm probably one of the most hated people in our sport, and I really don't care. Um, I just tell it like it is. Um the New York Wolves are close to my heart because one of my very, very good friends used to play for y'all's team. Her name's Chelsea Alt. Chelsea Alt oh, used to Chelsea. play. Yeah, yeah. Control Alt delete. Coach Chelsea, that's yeah, that's my girl. So, and I, I know I know her and Gabby personally. So I, when I found out y'all were in the ship, I said, if if if, if they're not playing against my Nebraska Pride, I can't go against them. Okay, and I ain't even going to hold you. I have a very strong personal disdain with Oklahoma City just because they are that good of a team, and I was very salty. I was just like, all right, well, you know, we just we didn't execute enough being a first-year team. With that being said, right. I had y'all by 14 points for the record, and y'all did it. Y'all exceeded, and I'm out here gloating. Everybody else on the podcast were to throw y'all in the bus. I said, y'all better have faith in them, them girls over there. Come on, Mac. Come play. on. Okay. Play with me also. Well, what else what, Tell me why I was wrong. Play me, tell me why I was wrong. I was wrong. I wasn't, you know what? That's why I'm a salty one. Thank you. Um. Trying to play with me. You see this? You hear this, Danielle? You hear this? I hear it. I hear it. We've been hearing it all season, though, so it's nothing new. True, true. Look, haters make you stronger. Haters make you famous. You know, it is what it is. Haters give you that motivation. I'm a hater? No. Let me ask you this. Look, you went Look, Austin, you went against some girls in New York. I couldn't tell you not to, but nobody listened to me. Okay. Now, let me. Look, champ, let me ask you this. What. And, I, and it's, gonna, it's kind of going to be the same question. I don't know if you were listening to the pod up until we brought you on. But if there was anything at all, whether good, bad, or indifferent, is there anything that you would change about this season or alter or wish you went that went a different way? Uh, no. I mean, everything happens for a reason. Um, you know, everything that we've been through as a team has just made us stronger. It's made our bond stronger. Um, you know, we, we – always say that we're family and that's true. Like we argue, we fight sometimes, but we all stick together as a family. And I mean, I wouldn't change anything. Everything happens for a reason and everything led to this championship win. So no, I wouldn't. Period. Exactly. And I, I think that's been the general consensus as far as, you know, maybe altering things or thinking if things would have went different. And I think that's going to be the general consensus across the board is, you know, things happen for a reason. 
And if they, you know, if they happen in your favor, great. If they don't happen in your favor, you do your best to, you know, to prepare for that, you know, that next instance. So I absolutely agree mm-hmm. with you. Um, so yeah. tell me what it was like, like being in Canton, being in the locker room, being around your teammates in that same setting, your coaching staff. What was it like just for you? Because I know you're a veteran of the sport in the game, so I want to know from your point of view what it was like. It was, it was, it, it was surreal to be honest. I mean. Before we had their, uh, the WFA media day, we were able to walk on the field, and it just felt very, like, it was just like a wow moment, you know? Like, being able to walk on that field, being in in that space, it felt so amazing. It felt very cool, um, and it felt like we deserved it to be there. Like, you know, we, we everything that we sacrificed, personally everything we sacrificed as a team just led us there and we got to like sit there and be able to enjoy being there and and just soak everything in which is like amazing um you know my teammates are like they're they're some characters so they're all running around the stadium and stuff and it was fun and it was cool but (laughs) you know when when it get down when we got, got down to business we got down to business and then afterwards we went and drank the bar out Afterwards, come on, bar. Yep, I I mean, and after everything that's happened through the season, as far as you know, working through it, getting to that, and then winning a chip, like I'm definitely going to the bar after. I felt that so much. Oh, I felt that so much. Like, I mean, what else are you supposed to do? Like, you're supposed to go celebrate. And also, what was it like dumping it, dumping all the all the water Gatorade on y'all coach? I was actually in front of him, and I didn't see what was happening, so I kind of got dumped water on, too. So I was like, what the hell is going on? (laughs) It was was really hard to get my jersey off because of, like, my whole back was wet. But um, it was actually pretty fun. He he wasn't expecting it. He was like, what the hell are you guys doing? Um, But, you know, we got to follow tradition, you know? You got to literally like, like, look, coach. Don't think you're gonna come out this game dry. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ali, my last question for you is: Is New York looking to move to the pro division? I mean, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't. Yeah, I haven't had that discussion with my with my coaches yet. I mean, we like as players, we want to play the best and we want to have the utmost competition. So whether whatever comes our way, we're we're gonna just rock with it. I think now we're all just worried about just trying to relax and probably see a few doctors after this season. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I got to, we got to recover before we even talk about it. I felt I felt that <laughs> so much. Well, Tam, thank you for coming on the pod. I don't have anything else for you. You pretty much answered all my questions. I'm sure Oscar thank has you. more things that he wants to pick your brain with. Thanks, Frank. Danielle, uh, I, I think it was an impressive victory for your team, whole team effort. Like I said, defensively, what a, what a performance by your team. You get to watch it right there on YouTube at the Women's Football Alliance channel. Um, but, you know, what an impressive win. A dual, dual threat at quarterback. We usually see dual threat at running back. But you know what I mean? You guys made it work all season with yourself yeah, and yeah. Karen. Yeah, yeah. It was it's been a fun it's been a fun season to be able to see Molly back out there again, um, in full swing. So, you know, I we 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 just was like, you know what, 
it, this is happening. Let's just do it. Let's just rock with it. And it, it's worked out. So, you know, couldn't have asked for a better ending to that. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming in sober after all that excitement in Canton. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, sober with no voice. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, a lot of clear water, I'm assuming you were drinking with some flavoring. Um, so that yeah, probably yeah. added to it. <laughs> uh, but awesome opportunity for you guys, champion, D2 champions. I know you, you, know, you guys were disappointed from last year, not you know, with all that that happened last year. Could have been seeing a double, right? We could have seen a back-to-back here. But uh, we're looking forward to 2024 uh, and looking you guys to, to see if you guys are going to move upgrade to pro or if you guys are going to you know, repeat as D2 champions and, and back in Canton next season. So uh, awesome job by you. Uh, tell Gabby as well, her squad just killed it. I will. So it was a really great performance. Thanks, Oscar. Thank you for uh, having me. It's always a pleasure. All right, Daniel. Thank you. Sober up. Get some rest. Enjoy the weekend. Uh, and awesome week. Awesome season. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Have a good one. All right. So, Mark, Simone, what's going on, Mark Simone? Fantastic. Great stuff. All right, Mark Simone. Um, I left you at the end so that you can gloat about your championship team, and we're going to bring in the two, <laughs> the two champions here. Multi-time champions, of course, and that's going to be highly talented. Yes, Allison Cahill, and also Whitney Zeely. So let's get them in the house here. So get Allison Cahill, Whitney Zeely in the house. Uh, Allison, thanks for making the time. Whitney, welcome MVP Pro Division. Uh, Great performance by you guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Hey, Oscar. Thanks for having us. So, Allison, uh, I don't know what we, – we anticipated a battle, and uh, did, were you surprised St. Louis gave you a battle for the up to the halftime? Because we were all off – it was an exciting matchup, in other words, up to the, the halftime because it was, like, very competitive. Yeah, I don't think we were surprised. Um, you know, we played them last year, similar kind of trajectory of the game. We were down at halftime. Uh, they're extremely well coached. They seem to have a great culture over there. We knew they were going to have a really sound game plan on both sides of the ball. Uh, they have great players. I mean, every ingredient for a successful team. And, you know, hadn't given up a point in the regular season as far as their defense goes. So uh, we were not surprised that it was a close game for quite a while. Um, they do a lot of things really well. And, um you know, just grateful we were able to figure some things out in the second half and, and ultimately pull away. But uh, it was an awesome team to play against. And, you know, they they we knew they weren't going to lay down or make it easy for us at all. It was really nice to see that. Uh, Whitney, on defense, you guys outstanding as well. I mean, they, they, they brought it the first two quarters. I mean, even on defense, they were playing really good ball. But you guys kind of anchored down after this after halftime. So uh, awesome job by you guys. Yeah, thank you. Um, like I said, it just from a, a film study perspective, we saw a lot of things that were similar to our offense. Um, so we felt confident coming in. But certainly, you know, seeing a team on film is much different than 
playing them in real time. Um, so they definitely, they definitely did some things that worked, but, um, like Al said, eventually we, we found our rhythm and, and started to hold them. All right. I'm going to bring in the backseat coach, give him the limelight to interview first, and then we're going to bring in Mac to kind of pick your brains out. But uh, what a great game. So, Mark, take it away. Hi, Al. Hi, Witt. Um, I only just saw you uh, like an hour ago. Uh, we were at um, Renegade's dinner. Everybody was turning in their uniforms uh, for the season, and it was really great to see you and, of course, everybody else. Um, I, I think what I want to kind of ask about is really, you know, Wit, how how do you come back after five years? Um, you know, you were an MVP running back, uh, injured. You know, you, you had some some injuries that kept you out of the game for like five years, and then you come back. And in a different position, defensive end, you know, win an MVP award in the championship game. You know, I understand that you feel like you were just doing your job, which you were, but like, that's like storybook stuff. Um, actually, let me ask Al, Al, what do you, what do you, what do you make of that? Like my mind like explodes just like kind of thinking about it. Yeah, I'm just sort of sitting here grinning, smiling, shaking my head when you kind of put it in that context. Um, And I was remembering today that Witt's rookie season on offense had a very similar trajectory in that, you know, she came in obviously a, a very skilled athlete, but it takes a while to get good at football. There's just so many intricacies to it. And just being a good athlete is is never quite enough until you kind of hone your craft and few people are able to hone a craft as quickly and efficiently as Whitney Zealy. And, you know, she was quite raw as a running back at the beginning of the season in 2011, I think what, and every game she got better. And that's a testament to her work ethic and her film study and her ability to receive coaching and, and put it into practice. And I I remember Witt's sort of coming out party as what she ultimately turned into as the greatest running back in women's football history was the championship her rookie year, which she also won the MVP in that game. So mm-hmm. fast forwarding however many years later, plus the five years off, and you could just see Witt game over game understanding her position, understanding the philosophy of the defense and her role in it, and just culminating in her having just an undeniably massive impact in the championship and very deservedly winning the MVP in what amounts to her rookie year on defense. So you marvel at it, but also it's in line with who she is as an athlete, as a teammate, and as a competitor. And it was just pretty awesome to have a front row seat and, you know, see all the work that she puts in behind the scenes that, you know, you see the the final product on the field. But for me to be able to see everything behind the scenes just makes it that much more awesome. Right. Uh, Whit, you and I were talking about um, – January when <laughs> practices just started 
happening. And um, obviously, usually in January, nobody looks particularly proficient at their their position, right? And that's what practices are are for. Um, you, you know, we're learning a, a new position. Um, so, like, I, I guess what I want to ask is, like, you know, what was that like? I, I mean, I imagine if you were going to come back after a five-year layoff that it, you had certain expectations about what you wanted to accomplish. And so what were those expectations that you had for yourself at that point in time in January or when you decided to um, rejoin the team? Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of uh, long conversations with Allison. <laughs> there were a lot of tears um, and there's a lot of fear because I think, you know, my heart very much was still in football and, and my body clearly was not the body I had, you know, in my prime. And, and there is that sort of emotional and mental concern that you're putting yourself out there and making yourself vulnerable and you only remember yourself as you were, but there's the reality that I'm not going to be the player I once was. So I did have that fear um, because for me, I always want to be a contributor on the team. And, you know, I, I, I was concerned that I wouldn't be able to contribute, but, you know, through a lot of conversations, we got to the point of just, you know, asking myself if I would ever regret coming back, regardless of the player I ended up being, um, would I ever regret coming back? And I knew life without football, you know, for five years, and it was pretty miserable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got to the point of, of believing that I wouldn't regret coming back, regardless of, of what shape I was in and, and what my playing time looked like and what my contribution looked like. And for me, there's just so much joy in January, just stepping onto the field for a rookie camp and doing conditioning as painful as it was. Um, Mm -hmm. My heart was full and happy. And um, I think for me, part of the decision in changing positions was one, just believing my body couldn't take the, the beating that running backs take. Um, But two, I think learning a new position on a different side of the ball would just serve as a really good mental distraction for me. So I wasn't constantly evaluating and assessing like what my body felt like today. I could just kind of get lost in, you know, learning the X's and O's all over again um, and learning the technique and the details all over again. And I think that is what ended up happening. Um, My body took over eventually and, and just the psycho element in all of us female football players, the competitors, all of that comes out, you know, when the whistle blows. Um, but I got to just get lost in the details of football um, and less so, you know, how my, my body felt. So I think it was, it was good. I didn't really know what to expect. Um, so I was learning about myself all over again um, in January. But, I mean, I'm, I'm a football player. That is my identity. And, and I didn't lose that, which was a relief to know, you know, after sitting – sitting out for five years. So what did, you know, what did coach Johnny, I I don't know. What was coach Johnny's reaction? Uh, I mean, was he excited Uh, and, and who kind of helped you along the most in terms of, 
you know, um, coaches and, you know, maybe players on the line or, you know, obviously, you know, Al was, was there for you every step of the way. Um, but, uh, you know, who, who else helped you along learning that new position? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I started doing workouts in the fall with the team. Um, we had, you know, captain's practice. And I learned a lot from the O-line. Um, they were obviously a group I was familiar with, having been a running back and running behind most of them. And they just dove in into giving me feedback. Um, Ashley Beckham was huge and she's just a, a great communicator she's a great coach and she was just huge in going over technique with me and things that she hated as an o-line <laughs> the type of player that she hated <laughs> to go up with. um so kind of giving me the the secret sauce a bit um but they were my, the o-line was absolutely huge um and then d-line danielle fournier who is uh, an All-American MVP herself, um, being able to watch her tape and just learn so much just from seeing her um, and getting notes from her, that was huge. And then our coaches, of course, we have great coaches. Um, so, so they were great in sort of giving me feedback and meeting me where I was at um, from a skill perspective, from a, a – understanding of the game perspective because I think that's hard probably for most teams right when you start off and you have so many players at different levels of experience um, it's hard to be able to cater to everyone on an individual level but they've always been great about making themselves available and I, ha- I want to pick their brain and ask questions um, so I'd say it took a village for sure um, it was a team effort um, but our team we have so many smart hard-working people that just want to help each other get better. Um, I had a lot of resources to lean on. Fantastic. Let's talk about the game a little bit. Uh, you know, Whit, you got the MVP. Uh, you know, Al, you're, you know, you threw a couple touchdown passes. But there were so many great contributions by other renegades um, on the team. I'm hoping we might talk a little bit about them. I thought um, Steph Pasquale had a, a fantastic game. She she was just she's just one of the toughest players on the offense. And um, uh, how do you tell me about Steph and her game that she had? Yeah, I'm, Steph is incredible. I think when I think about teammates I've played with over the years who just have sort of another gear and another a level that they can go to regardless of the circumstances that raises up the level of the entire offense and by extension, the whole team with, you know, a simple play. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we know we throw a lot of screen passes and, you know, it'll be a, a three yard pass from me and turns into a 20 yard gain where Steph is just dragging people down the field and just refusing to go down uh, when I think about people who have that mentality, I think of Wit when she played running back, and I think of Tootsie, our current running back, and I mm-hmm. think of Steph. Um, and I think there's the physical component of it, but I think there's also the mental and emotional emotional impact it has on not just our team but the other team. Um, right. 
when, you know, like I said, it's it's not a 50-yard pass down the field. It's a screen pass or a shovel pass. And you're going to have to work so hard to stop that play because of whose hands the ball is in. And, you know, Steph's first touchdown, that was the one that got us going. And there wasn't anything fancy about it in terms of a play call or anything I did. But we got the ball in the right person's hands at the right time. And she lit a fire on, like I said, not just offense, but the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they love to see that because they know how hard it is to stop a person like that when they get going and, you know, they see the end zone and there's very little you're going to be able to do to stop them. Um, And Steph, you know, without putting her business out there, she's been through a lot this year physically and and probably wasn't at 100% at any point, including in the championship. And just to be able to mentally go to that place and put aside how your body's feeling, like like wit reference and her time playing before and now. And, you know, you can't help but try to match that in however you can at your position. And so it just extends to the whole team, offense, defense, special teams. And she she does things that, that not many people can do on a football field, and it's through sheer will. I mean, she's a very talented athlete, but to me it's her will that sets her apart. Yeah, and that was an amazing play, that, that touchdown, and a very pivotal play. It definitely just sort of like kicked open the doors, I think. And, um, you know, Oscar, uh, another pivotal play was that interception by Darcy Leslie that uh, set Boston up um, in, I think it was inside, the, it might have been the 11 or the 10-yard line, like very, very, very close yeah, that was a great uh, great play as well. But like I said, it was a, a really good game for two quarters, as I mentioned earlier, you know, up to the halftime, 14-7. to seven. We anticipated, obviously, a competitive game, as you had mentioned last podcast, Mark, and we did get that. We get that. Yeah, I think special teams um, also uh, was off the hook, off the hook with um, their kicking game, and uh, Shawnee Dumont was – uh, really, really proficient at not just, uh, you know, running back kicks, but also coverage on punts and kickoffs and stuff like that. So that's another, you know, area of the, of the game I think that gets overlooked, particularly in women's football and special teams. Um, and clearly uh, Boston's uh, special teams coordinator, uh, Cliff Ashley, is like highly – highly prepared and he, he gets players prepared. Um, what, you know, what do you think about, you know, the uh, special teams performance in that game? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think since, you know, our, our DC away game where we let up uh, two, two touchdowns on special teams, I think, we've really locked it down and we've just continued to get better and better each game. Um, Cliff spends so much time, goes into so much detail on special teams. It's kind of amazing that we get to cover it all, um, given how much detail he goes into each, um, each play. But I mean, Shawnee in particular is just She's insane. It's insane the impact she has. 
physically, like when she hits people, um, but also just on on the game. Um, here in New England, we obviously know about Matthew Slater, and he's so crucial to the success yep. of the Patriots and the Patriots put so much emphasis on special teams, and it's it's definitely similar for us. Um, I view her as like our special teams captain. Um, Shawnee's super talented and, and is a great receiver, um, but she she devotes just as much time, energy, and, and understands really the impact special teams has on a game. Um, and she's really, she's found a home there, and she's great in that role, and she really gets the team going. She really rallies people, and her energy is awesome. So Shawnee's one of a kind and, and has been hugely impactful for us all season um, on the special teams front. Yeah, she's been great. And I was going to drop Matthew Slater's name. She, she's kind of like the Matthew Slater of the Renegades. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, just being a leader on special teams. You need you need a leader on special teams. And, um, she, you know, she's been been able to, to do that, which is, you know, great. Um, this is her, is her second or third year. Third. Third year. It's great. She, I mean, she played great. Okay. Um, a couple of – Oscar was interviewing, um, you know, um, uh, a couple of players from uh, the D2 and the D3 championship, Ace Ware, MVP, um, the D3 championship, and uh, Danielle Ayala of the New York Wolves. And both of them um, – uh, sort of uh, talked about the experience of, you know, being in the championship, like being in the hotel and taking the bus to the stadium and the lead up to the stadium and then going into the locker room and seeing their names on the placards and like real, you know, lockers to hang their stuff in and all this kind of thing, Um, which, you know, you, you don't often experience in women's football in, in, in a sport where, you know, the players don't get paid and there, there aren't a lot of, um, you know, financial rewards. Um, how important is it to have that kind of special experience in uh, the championship game and in the WFA, right? Six teams get to experience that uh, plus all American teams. So, you know, it, it it offers like a large number of people this kind of experience in like a fantastic stadium. Um, how important is that to have? Um, you know, in this sport where there, there you know aren't there aren't a lot of like rewards in terms of you know. In, in regards to the time that you have to put into it and, and what you put on the line. I, I think it's important, um, you know, any sort of indication of legitimacy goes a long way for us. I think when you're on the inside, particularly when you've been on the inside for a really long time, um, you know, that's what you're fighting for. Like, look, the day-to-day we know what we're playing for and that's for each other and to live out a dream, to continue your competitive athletic career, um, to win championships. 
And, you know, for myself, <laughs> a lot of times I'm like, you know, the ship has sailed for me. Like, I'm never going to get paid to do this. I'm never going to be a household name. And that's just fine by me. Uh, when it comes down to it, those things would be nice. And Bexie Coach, you've heard me say before, like, I'd never started doing this to be famous. Um, the money would be nice in that it would afford us the financial freedom to really pursue this to its full extent. Um, so, you know, for me, I think, and for us, it comes down to legitimacy. I, I think we believe that the work we've put in and the results of that put us alongside great teams and great dynasties in any other sport or era whether the outside world recognizes that or not. But when they do, when it's these household names like ESPN and the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, you know, that's a big deal. Um, But I think that we've gotten so accustomed to doing what we do in relative obscurity that, you know, we're happy to play a football game in an old, you know, on a field behind an old folks home in Pittsburgh right. like we did on that right. neutral site game, you know, because for okay. us it is about the game. However, yeah. you know, the things about those outer trappings of success that are motivating to me is, you know, what could this sport become? How much better could we be if we could devote so many more hours of our time? You know, like for me it's like I will probably never know my own potential and my team's true potential because we aren't able to do this as a full-time job. And that's the part that eats at me. So when you get a little bit of a glimpse of what it could be like, um, you know, it's pretty exciting. And I hope that, you know, for future generations that becomes the norm, uh, if that makes sense. Like it's exciting. It's awesome but at the end of the day, you put us on any 100-yard football field and we're going to play just as hard and prepare just as hard as we always do, you know. So it's, it's a mixed bag, I would say. But it was pretty cool to share that experience. I think we had a little bit more crossover with other teams and players this year because of how the weekend was planned. Like, I thought it was awesome that we got to line the tunnel when the – the All-Americans were going in at halftime and we got to stand there and cheer them on and give them high fives, these people that are normally our, our hated enemies and, and us theirs, um, and just to cheer them on as a representative from our conference and, and show them love in that way. So that part was cool. I'm glad they changed the, the schedule of the weekend to allow us to do that. Um, but, yeah, you know, sometimes you forget these people behind the other team's logos are – they love the game just like we do, and, you know, not every team is going to get to win a championship or go to a championship every year, but they love football and they want to compete too. So, you know, like I said, it was cool to support them in that way, and, and hopefully they felt that support. Mark, uh, we got like uh, two minutes, so we got to wrap up. Just to let you know. Yeah, hey, Oscar, get in there. This is your this is your chance to, to uh, ask a question. <laughs> No, no, I'm just letting you know we're going to come down. So Al, uh, Allison and Whitney, unfortunately, we've come to the end of the of the podcast, but I do appreciate you guys coming on, giving us the perspective of Canton this weekend. Congratulations on your fifth consecutive championship. Uh, what an amazing feat for you guys as an organization, individuals. And uh, we're looking forward to 2024 and looking forward to the excitement of 
you know, the sixth championship for Boston and the opportunity to just view this amazing squad that you guys have. So really appreciate you guys coming in. Yeah, thank you. For thank you. Us. Thanks for having us. Have a good night, ladies. Thank you again for coming in. Thanks. You too. Good night. Thanks. Bye. All right, Mark. Unfortunately, uh, time has run out for us, but overall, great show. We've got Cynthia uh, Red Bryant, Jody Redlander, Trina Graves, Ace Ware, Daniel Ayala, the legendary Allison Cahill, and Whitney Zeely to finish it up. So it couldn't be better. Amazing Mark. show. Amazing show. Great way to wrap up the, the season. So we are going to be back in 2024. Uh, make sure you guys uh, replay, 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 and you can catch and replace uh, Coach Terry Lister's insights, the Mac, the salty one as well. we got uh, Nate Ward, Holly Custis, everybody on the podcast. So make sure you guys subscribe and all that. See you guys next week. Good night, Oscar.